Welcome to Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Good morning to New Haven Mayor Tony Harp. Is here. She's here in the studio to, for a regular Mayor Monday checkup on what she and we are doing in New Haven, a city she knows better than anybody else. How are you doing this morning? Good. How are you today, Paul? Good. Nice to see you. Good seeing you. And you can join the conversation on our New Haven Independent Facebook Live page. You can post questions there, which is what most folks do. Or you could be like Bob, and you can call us at 203-872-7ELM, 203-872-7356 for some old-school radio interaction. Today's program is made possible in part thanks to support from Bertram Moses PC and from Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven. Thanks, Gateway. Thanks, Bertram. Thanks, Mayor Harp. So great to see you in the studio. You know, I had one reaction this weekend to New Haven, Mayor Harp. And that was how beautiful it was in snow. You know, the first snowfall of the year just blows me away. And I just thought it was magic. And it stayed pretty all weekend because there wasn't as much activity and and stuff didn't get dirty, you know. It was beautiful. I walked my dogs early in the morning right after it snowed. And there's a, a tree not too far from my house that has berries on it. So the white snow, the yellow leaves, and the berries, it was so beautiful. It is. It was gorgeous. It is like a a great feeling around New Haven when it snows. And there wasn't that much snow, so it wasn't like it really, I mean, some stuff got canceled because in New Haven, there's one flake people canceled that 90 events. But but there was still a lot going on. And in fact, intelligence reports tell me you were at a lot of these events that did go on this weekend, including the first ever tree lighting in Beaver Hill. So as we talked last week, there's the season when neighborhoods come together and, and, and put a lot of energy into events for the holidays and they light a tree and they have kids singing. And yesterday, I guess they'd ice the beef. And I think this is the first time that Beaver Hills did an event like this, correct? Jill Marks, the older there, organized that they said it was their first one. Well, it's the first one that the Friends of Gulf Street Park oh, have okay. done. And the first one that um, Alder Jill Marks had done. But I believe that Donald Morris, when okay. he was with the Christian Community Union, had uh, gotten a tree and gotten the plug and everything all set up So you got the memory, there. On the, on the, with the institutional <laughs> memory in New Haven. <laughs> uh, so they may have done it a few times prior and Mayor to... Mayor Murphy in 1932 might have <laughs> put a tree there. He might have gotten one on a horse-drawn <laughs> wagon and brought it around town. <laughs> so what was it like last night in the park? Uh, it was, was really nice. I mean, it was a little chilly, but... Uh, there, you know, uh, were a lot of people out there, um, and uh, you know, everyone. Oh, Marty Looney was there. Um, uh, President uh, Walker Myers was there, and a number of alders, and and of course Jill was there. She had really yeah, um, Jill Marks, and she got the name as you pointed out in the article. It said that you were talking about how she got the neighborhood together for clean up the summer, and yeah, it's, it's kind of using because people see the role of alder in a lot of different ways, and it has a lot of facets to it. It seems to me that she, in part, is seeing her role as an alder as a community organizer, sort of make things happen in Beaver Hills, yeah, and to get people engaged in the community. I think that's uh, I think that's what she brings to. Um, the office, and I think that's really important. There are a lot of people who probably wouldn't have thought twice about who cleans up the park if she hadn't said, well, if you're not happy with the way it's done by the city, you can help. You know? <laughs> so. And that's that's a real people's park. The Gale Field, Gulf yep. Street Park, sort of a crossroads of a lot of neighborhoods and a lot of public activity. And, you know, it has always been active since, you know, for, for, for decades. People have played basketball there. They've played, as you point out, um, baseball and 
they even have a horseshoe. Um, That's right. We've written about <laughs> the horseshoe players there. there yeah. There's one there and one in West Rock. West yeah. Hills. Yeah, yeah. So, and they have like little tournaments. I mean, I, who yeah. knew? But <laughs> there's a lot going on in that park. Any other highlights this weekend for you? Well, um, I, I, I think that that was probably one of the biggest highlights. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I guess the city was on alert in case there had been more snow. What was there ultimately, about four inches? You know, I think it looked to me more like three. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did have uh, um, um, an opportunity for the alders and department heads to speak on Saturday and um, at 9 o'clock, and people dialed in. And you got the whole process going every year. You guys are fine-tuning it since you've been in. you got this whole VOC system where people communicate on one network together and keep track of it. different issues being raised around the city and progress and information. You've got new equipment over the years. You've um, we you do. got we... more trucks in, in, in play. And we have, um, for our city sidewalks, the Parks Department has those cute little um, things that can make it easier for them to shovel and get the snow out of the way. So we've got that. We've got the the ten foot wide snow blowers. Right, right, we've right, got new trucks <laughs> in both uh, public works and in um, the parks department. So so we're gearing up. We're trying to get ready. You know, it's, it's a dry people, run. Yeah, and, and and you know, it was so funny. I was telling everyone on the call that Rick had presented to us last Monday, and Rick they Fontana, were gonna yeah. yeah, Rick Fontana, and they were going to have a, a run through for all department heads, I believe, on Wednesday this past Wednesday. Oh. And I said, well, it just snowed so that you could prove that you're prepared. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part always is, my friend, I can't wait till the phone rings and we hear Rick Fontana, the emergency chief, doing the, because you don't usually do it, you, he does, you do it once in a while, right, the emergency message from the city of New Haven. Yeah. And his voice is so low, it sounds like <laughs> the most important thing you're going to hear. Something well, dramatic is. is happening. It's great. <laughs> I, I love to tease him about that. But uh, so I thought we had said last week that we had Oh, got, you know what? We have this new this new chemical that we're putting on the roads because we had gone through in some neighborhoods and I, I knew, I know that we'd gone through cause I went through them and you know, it really didn't seem like we'd done anything because they had gotten so cold last year and it just, you know, so, so by the it, time froze up, yeah. it froze up and then, then it's really hard, almost impossible to, to, to get it up. And so this new chemical, which is more expensive, but, but you know, we're worth it. Uh, will actually melt ice and snow um, in colder temperatures. Do you happen to know the name of it? Uh, I don't. I don't recall the name of it, but it's made out of beets. Made it's out of like, beets. It's a good way so to like use borscht. a sugar product. Borscht. You know, okay, we got a little borscht action. The um... it's what sugar's good for. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought we had gotten word last week, Mayor Harp, that because of the state's budget crisis and the less money we're getting, there wasn't going to be any snow. Well, so I was you know, surprised it was to see it coming down. I was surprised too. Uh, you and I got the message, but whoever made the decision for the snow didn't. Let's okay, just we got we to we get them back up with the program. The yeah. uh, now last week also before it snowed, you had a major announcement on Long Wharf. Yes, and there's always been talk about you know what do we do with Long Wharf? Every generation or so, we look at say that's an asset in the city. What do we want it to be like? Do we want it to be mostly an open space for the public? In the '80s, we built the first. Um, the first large office buildings there at the Maritime Center, which came out pretty well, it seemed like. You know, they're always mm-hmm. talking about what access do we have. You have a new visitor center there. So you brought in some heavy hitters. You brought some people who planned a $2 billion uh, project, a, a revisioning of a part of Washington, D.C., right. this firm, um, Perkins Eastman. 
And they're going to look at the 352 acres east of the train tracks by the harbor to see what we should do with that area. Any thoughts about what you'd like to see happen there? Well, the thing that I thought was really, um, really important for New Haveners to hear anyway is that they think that we have the best spot on the water on the East Coast. And that What's is, that based on? Why do they think that? Uh, well, because we're close to um, the highway. Um, I-95 and I-91 is right there. And also the train, the train stops right at Union Station. And, um, and it's an active port pier. And so you have um, sort of like the maritime operation going there. You have the cars. You have the trains. And uh, very little, when you think about it, is going on there given the opportunities that exist. We do have the uh, food truck paradise, but... And you guys have developed a whole set of rules and upgraded the infrastructure there so a lot of people can really come there safely and a lot of people can stop and get the food where they're coming off the highway or hanging oh, out at the... Absolutely, at the, yeah. yeah. And we're really proud of it. We have uh, two-way bicycle lanes down there. And you have the nature preserve. And the nature preserve. And it's a pretty park. And you're right, it's not heavily used, but people definitely use it. And so the thought was... Um, what, what do we do in that area that is sort of like um, close to downtown on the other side of the highway, but then also, and then how do we connect that to what is going on on the Sound and the port right there? And, um, and really looking with New Haveners, with the community, and trying to figure out what we need to build it up from an economic point of view, but also from an access point of view, because the thing that you point out is that there is no real good connection between downtown and Long Wharf. And so one of the things that we're asking them to do is to look at ways in which we can make that connection a more intentional connection. And so they thought that that was was interesting. The other thing that we want to be able to do is to um, make the park more accessible to folks because you as you point out it's not that well used and uh, but enjoyed i mean the people who use it really like it. they have great lunchtime walks and yeah, you know. absolutely and so it it creates an opportunity if you think about where we are looking from we're looking from um um all the way around um by sports haven is that what it's called all the way um probably um to Howard Avenue, so it's a pretty big swath yeah, that of is land. Big spot. I want to get back to that after we get to our call, Mayor Hart, because there are different aspects of Long Wharf, and there are questions about, do we want housing, do we want business, to open space? These are really interesting questions. You, you raised them from the first time you ran for mayor, and I, I think you've given a lot of thought to this, as has your Economic Development Administration. So I do want to get back to that, but we have a call, and I want to remind people that you're listening to Mayor Monday on Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, here with Mayor Harp. And um, I'm guessing because it's a phone call, not a Facebook question, it's Bob. Bob, is that you on the phone? It sure is. Paul. Hey, welcome. Good morning, Mayor. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Okay. Feeling better? Good. Um, I saw you not too long ago. You look pretty you good, started, actually. Last week, and then we saw each other at a couple of events. Yep. At the Christmas tree lighting and then at the uh, swearing-in of the West Haven Mayor. Mm-hmm. But uh, my first question concerns... Uh, Females in politics, and I Man, guess you I credit question. you Man. somewhat into um, um, there's more women now involved in politics. Your response to that, and 
Well, Bob, is your question having to do with all the stuff with Al Franken and and Roy Moore and that stuff? And no, 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 it doesn't have okay. to do with that. It has to do with a general question in Connecticut. Um, there's Mayor Harpel got reelected, and now there's two women that are mayors of towns and cities in Connecticut. Oh, because West Haven and New Maybe Britain. One yeah. may run for governor, so. Oh, Dita. You know, your response. Well, you know, I think that it's surprising to me that uh, more women haven't been in politics prior to now. Um, you know, women have been active in politics. They've helped to run elections from, I mean, for decades. They've, um, we've been more recently on the board of alders and on councils. But for whatever reason in Connecticut, a blue state, the, and one of the first states to have a woman elected governor in her own right, that some of the other positions have eluded women. So um, I'm excited that there are more and more women leaders. I don't, I honestly don't think that there's that much of a difference. I think that women lead well, as do men. And um, so I'm hoping that we'll see more and more women in the future because I, uh, it shouldn't be a big deal. <laughs> and actually, this comes at a time, your question, Bob, comes at a time of two very big trends in the country. First of all, since Donald Trump's election, there are the formation of groups specifically designed to get more women to run for office. You had the huge historic Women's March on Washington saying, now we got to run for office. The uh, Tony Harp, I believe you were at the founding in Woodbridge a few weeks ago of a Connecticut organization that's going to do that. I believe it's one of two. Um, do you think that is... And then I'm going to ask, ask you how the latest events fit into that trend. Is there going to be follow-through? Are we really going to see those numbers change? Are you really seeing a lot more women running? I think that you do see more women running. And, you know, for at least 20 years, maybe a little more, uh, the, uh, the Women's Campaign School at Yale has had an influence on women running for um, our sort of our state reps, our, our congressional, as well as mayor and governor positions, not just in the United States, but across uh, even the Caribbean, so that you see that. And there are other programs like that across the United States that encourage women to get involved in pro politics. You know, for so long, women were relegated to being just members of boards of education, but Women are leaders, too, and I think even if you think about the way women sort of organize families and, and do all of that, um, that women have been leaders, but they haven't really been in the, these roles. And I, I do think that when women are in these roles, that things change, things get done in a slightly different way. And uh, so I think that we will be seeing those, you know, look, they're... Women in our major cities, uh, Baltimore, New Orleans, Washington, D.C., all have women mayors. And some of them are going to be in New Haven this week, Bob, because Mayor Harp is the president of the African-American Mayors Association. And they do an annual conference, and it takes place in the city where the president, if I have this right, lives. So Mayor Harp lives in New Haven, so the conference is going to be in New Haven at the Omni Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And what you decide to do is very much the point to Bob's question. The first couple of days of the convention before the guys come, right, is that it's a, it's a women's leadership retreat, correct? Female black sure. mayors are going to be here in New Haven talking about the very thing Bob's asking about. And, you know, this is, it's actually a, a leadership summit, so it's, it's not our full, um, it's not our, our full 
convention, which we normally have in the spring in Washington, D.C. Okay. But it is an opportunity for us to, to come together, a smaller group, and think about policy issues. And so as the first woman mayor who is the head of this organization, we have a women's committee that most of the women belong to that deal with issues that women are, are interested in. I thought that it was really important that we have a women's um, retreat so that we can fine-tune what it is that we want to do with this organization, look at some of the issues that impact women, and um, so I'm excited that they will be in New Haven and, and get to see our great small city. And it may hurt if you don't mind moving the... Uh, Mike, a little close to you, got moved away from you while you were talking. Oh, it's So did? Tom Breen writes in a question. My, before I get back to your other question, Bob, Tom Breen wrote in with a similar question. This, what is your take on the politics of the National Democratic Party's approach to the Me Too moment thus far? In other words, they're taking the moral high ground. Al Franken was accused of groping and propositioning, and they got him to quit. John Conyers quit. Roy Moore, I think, is about to become elected senator from alabama embraced now by mostly important republicans including the, the president who has who propositioned 14 year old girl had sex 14 year old girl and harassed all these teenage girls in his 30s so the republicans are, and donald trump obviously has been accused by a dozen women he's not going anywhere so democrats have decided men gotta step aside republicans have decided we gotta stay in power what does this say do you think it's the right strategy democrats are taking what does this say about the opportunities for women to take their place. You know, I think it's really important that women now are the ones that are saying it's time that men are ha held accountable for this deplorable behavior. Including the journalists tend to be women. Yeah, and so, um, uh, so I think that it will make a difference. I think it'll ultimately make a difference in what they have called the body politic. Women have got to stand up for themselves you know, for years and years, women just accepted that these powerful men can behave in this way and that it's okay. Now, I think it's good that the, the Democrats are taking the moral high ground. And uh, I would hope that the women around the country look at what the Republicans tolerate in terms of behavior of their leaders. I just wonder whether the lesson from this that's coming from, let's say, Donald Trump or more is that they believe in winning and that appeals to higher ground. This is separate from Tom's question and your point. The appeals to higher ground are not going to get men who behave this way out of power from the Republican side, that only winning elections will. I guess when I sat back and watched the last few days, I thought of your conference coming up this week because I wonder if there's actually no substitute for women running and winning, that things are not going to change in politics until more women... It's not just enough to get Al Franken to have some shame or John Conyers. That you got to win the offices. You got to step up and run and beat Donald Trump and appeal to the mythical suburban female independent voter who's supposedly going to change all these elections as the pension, like the key to changing this uh, country's balance of power. Well, I think it's very important that women win elections, and I do think that, or people that are have the kind of values that we say are the values that we hold as Americans when don't have to necessarily be women, but it has to be people that have the values that we say are our values as a people. You know, what I don't understand, frankly, is how do we get these leaders 
that have these values that so go against what it is that we've said we believe as an American people. I, I just absolutely don't understand it. And why we are not outraged and tolerated, I don't know. Right. And I think that women are going to have to put their foot down and not be so understanding of this misbehavior that happens at high places. And how far back should the misbehavior go to have someone step down or what should be the line that doesn't get crossed? Well, you know, I think that a person needs to decide that for himself um, since we're largely talking about men. Um, you know, I, I do think that when you're going two and three decades behind, you know, we've got to believe. I've, I've also said that I believe in redemption and that people can see the error of their ways and make changes but if it's ongoing behavior, um, I think that we as a people have to hold them accountable. How they hold themselves accountable is a, is a personal decision. All right. Bobby's still on the line? Yeah, I'm still there, Paul. Thank you for holding <laughs> it. We got a little... Cause of you were so questions. quiet, Bob. I thought you'd go. Well, no, I wanted to hear what you, you really had to say about women in politics. <laughs> that was good. And I thought, you know, you had a, maybe some to do with it <laughs> with these two women so and Bob, one did you in Bristol and the one in West Haven. Did you have another question? Uh, yeah, I have two. And basically they're local. Um, one is about J. Crew, the uh, store up on Broadway. It's announced, um, I guess, that they're closing. Do you know if the Broadway store closed? Oh, the National. And doing the other the one National is eventually, closing. hold on one sec, and I'll, I'll hang up and listen to both responses. The other one is a possible paving on Church Street. Can that possibly happen in the near future? Hey, Bob, thanks so much for the calls, man. I'm glad you're feeling better. All right. Thank you, Paul. So I, I do know that there will be some clo stores closing, some J. Crew. We haven't heard about the New Haven store. So uh, I don't know. I'm hoping that it doesn't. Um, and we will do what we can as a city to try to help them stay. But... I haven't heard that they will be closing. Street paving on church? And, yes, one of the things that we talked about at our um, at our, our meetings that we have on Monday, our, our cabinet meetings, is, you know, these streets that are kind of between, they are um, state roads and they're city roads. We know for sure that we have the responsibility and the obligation to pave on our city streets and on state roads we often pave those as well but it's a no negotiation so this is a negotiation that um, I'll have to check to see whether or not it's occurred and if it has then I'm sure that we can get it done um, and get reimbursed by the state. All right, well, thank you very much and you're listening to Mayor Monday and WNHH FM your home for community radio at 103.5 and live streamed at newhavenindependent.org Mayor Harp is in the house we got other questions from Facebook. What is the latest with Assistant Police Chief Casanova's lawsuit against the city alleging discrimination in the police chief search late last year? Yes, he is suing the city, um, and it's now um, between his lawyers and our corporation counsels. Um, I haven't heard anything new, and so we probably won't. It's pretrial. It's pretrial. Are we looking to settle it, or are we going to fight it? Um, I... I haven't discussed that with our because he's counsel. saying basically that a judge, a federal judge, is supposed to tell she, he wants a federal judge to make him the police chief. 
Well, I don't think that can happen. His lawyer is Tom Busey. <laughs> he used to be a mayor of, Har- of Bridgeport. And I called uh, him up for a story. And I said, when you were mayor, what would you have thought if uh, a judge, if a lawyer filed a lawsuit and a judge said, I'm going to name who your police chief is? Yeah, it. I know. It's a, it's, a, it's an incredible uh, assertion. I, these are things that are handled by our legal department. And um, I trust them to make Cities the right get decision. sued. One thing you get coming in as a mayor. How much does the city, another question on Facebook Live, how much does the city expect the budget deficit to be even after the automobile mill rate increase? <laughs> Which part of the city budget will be? Will the additional revenue be put towards? So last week it was announced that we're getting a mid-year, and I was going to ask you if you had three or four bucks I could borrow because I think <laughs> my old car, I'm going to have to pay another three or four bucks in uh, taxes, which is really going to set me back. Um, I was wondering, so you have this, I think it's an average of 12 bucks for a car is going to pay extra in the middle of the year because the state government went back on a promise they made a year earlier, right? which is that they were going to start to fix one of the grossest injustices in our tax system in, mm-hmm. our, in our state. And it's very simple to describe. You don't even have to use the word mill rate. If you own a Toyota in Greenwich and you own the same Toyota in New Haven, you're going to pay twice as much tax on that Toyota in New Haven because of a whole bunch of reasons for how screwy our tax system is. We started to have a new system last year where we were going to be made hold on that and people in New Haven weren't going to pay as much car tax and the state was going to make it up. We had a state budget deficit this year. They got rid of most of that. So mid-year you sent out these new bills. So the question is, um, how is that, what's the deficit going to be even after that and uh, which part of the city budget will that revenue be put toward? Well, the, um, I, our, our budget projection on the city side hasn't really changed because our projection took into consideration that we would raise those dollars. And so it's going to be um, approximately $6 million. So that, in other words, the money we're picking up now we had a, was originally going to come from the state. So we're just making up money that we thought would come right, from the state. Right, right. Okay. And so uh, it does. it's not a real win-win for us in terms of, of reducing the deficit that we received because of, largely because we were underfunded by the state. Okay. I want to bring you back to Long Wharf, Mayor Harp. So one question was housing. People have talked for a long time about people might want to live near the water. Mm-hmm. And I might have this wrong, but I don't think you're talking about housing in the park. There's the, no, the, not there's at a, all. There's that Sports Haven lot. There's other, I think there's uh, the Ikea lot. There's mm-hmm. some places people said, do we want housing built there? What's the latest thing on that given climate change, given that sea levels are rising, given that that might be a flood zone? You know, one of the things that we're going to look at in the planning is how we prepare a site for sea rise, for you know environmental sustainability, so that whatever it is that's built will take all of that into consideration. A lot of stuff on stilts. It could be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you see housing as as a future? I, I think that there could be there? some housing that and some retail, some other types of commercial. What is going on with Sports Haven? I never see any cars there. Just like seven people going there and sort of. You know, I don't know. I think waging. that. Um, uh, I, I do think that they were looking at uh, what they might do with that site. So, but so that's a development possibility. So it is a about development. All the way up to Hamilton Street, you've been talking about. So, sure. you're thinking of Long Wharf all that way. All that way. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, so, but no clear sense of where people might be leaning. There's a, we just well, want more density. So what th- we, we want a little bit more density, and, um, and it's going to be a process where the consultants, and evidently they're very, very good, 
will uh, take a look at the site, take a look at what it can accommodate, and because it's all infill, as you know, um, take a look at what we can and perhaps can't build there and even build on the water. I mean, think about... Build on the water. Well, think about a big pier. Oh, okay. You know, like there might be some opportunities to do something with a pier that would get more activity actually that goes out into the water. I mean... We got the boathouse coming online. We've got the boathouse and then there could be something else as well. We've also started a tradition of summer events on the waterfront there we have the food truck festival and dragon boat race that's right the dragon boat race that's <laughs> kind of fun that's been a real kind of new new haven thing. yeah all right and um so last week we had talked about sub- suburbs stealing our cops after we've spent sixty thousand to train them and then we had a story that um pamden they had a list of from which they're going to hire first three cops then two later yeah. all five of them were new haven cops four african-american one latina and one of them's your fault because you did a great story. And I don't know if it was uh, Hampton or Norwalk because they're poaching as well. And uh, they look at the stories you write, which you should I'm sorry, really... cop of the week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's what got me. One guy they picked, K-Ron Bryce. He has been cop of the week three times yep. in under five years. Yeah. And so they look at those articles and they think, aha, I want, yeah. Okay, Tony Harp's, Tony Harp spent $60,000 getting that guy up to speed. Let's just pick him up. That's right. You know, look at what a great job he's doing. <laughs> for them, he could do a great job for us too. Yeah. So all, it looks like all five of those are eventually going to be going to Hamden. Yeah. So, so we had talked about this last week and you didn't seem to like the idea that John Valleca had, which was just get rid of 200 cops and then we could afford to pay him more. But the challenge remains of how we're going to afford to be competitive with suburbs well, we, we don't have the money. We're not going to make the car tax 80 mils. So I don't even know if that'll do it. You know, then have to pony up another seven bucks. Either well, either. <laughs> I, I think that the state has an obligation to, to us and that we need to have, we, Hartford, uh, Bridgeport, those of us who are major receivers, that we have to have a stable source of income uh, and revenue from the state. We can't, it can't be all over the place. And so um, I think that we're going to hopefully say that to our delegation, and they've been great in the past, to really make the, new, the General Assembly understand that it hurts the entire state when there is this fluctuation and not ever really knowing for sure what it is uh, that you're going to get. And that what they've done, because we can't annex other towns, we can't make ourselves bigger than we are they constrain our growth and our ability to sort of move forward when you look at our situation we even though we're 18.7 square miles over half of that is not for profit and and it works on some level for the entire region we've got to find a way to sustain and to balance and stabilize so the you're talking about the overall get. picture about how they don't fund payments in lieu of taxes pilot, even though they tell right. us we have to keep taxes, properties tax exempt. So that's the big question of how we want to get more money. Is there any kind of short term, shorter term or more specific focused approach to having money for the police? Because you're negotiating a new contract with the police. They've had expired contracts since last year. They want better health. Like I was looking at this like 10, 20, 30,000 bucks more if you're a cop in a suburban town. You know, yeah. when you retire, you get to have your family on the benefits, not just you. You have not just, you don't have any kind of 401k mixed into the defined benefit plans. 
And uh, we did that for good reasons. People, we gave cops good benefits because we wanted to have cops learn here to work. And then people said, gee, we can't afford this. So the newer cops didn't get as many benefits. So people are leaving the force. You're now holding the bag with a bag that has no money in it. You know what I mean? Why does that always happen to me? Yeah, Paul? I don't know. I know. You I don't know. You get, so you got to get your, you have nice bags, but you got some of the bags with money in it. But uh, so what in the, in addition to asking the state to fulfill more of its obligation under pilot to give you a stable revenue stream in general, any thoughts about how, like Tanthe Campbell said, maybe one thing we can do is besides stressing that there are opportunities in New Haven, you don't get on other forces. If you want to have like a quieter time, yeah, it's going to be safer on other forces or not safer, but you know, you're not going to be running around to as much stuff. But here you have opportunities with certain kinds of specialized police work that you don't get in other, in other cities. He also talked about, do we want to expand the housing centers we give? Right now, if you're a cop, you can live in a public housing development for free. It's a great program. Um, you know, do we get, do something like the Yale program? Do we ask Yale to expand its homebuyer plan for city cops? Or is that opening a, you know, a, a Pandora's box? Does, uh, do we give him help getting advanced education degrees? Like, what can we do without much money? to make it more attractive for someone to stay here after we spent $60,000 training them? Well, you know, I think those are all really good ideas. I've, some of them have come up and are being negotiated right now by um, our Elm City local. And um, so I'm sure that you'll see as they sort of wind through the negotiation process that we're all concerned about that. Their union heads are as concerned as we are that we're losing so many people and the other thing that so so we'll put that there uh, a lot of those things will be addressed and will be taken into consideration and to the degree that we can do them I'm sure we'll do them if that helps but the other thing that we should do is just plan that we're going to lose a certain portion of our people and so that we're going to have to continue to have more and more new classes of of Police officers. Now, I have said, and see, I can't really say anything uh, about the negotiations. Right, because then you're tipping your hand. Like because, you say, because, well, no, you can say, you can because say something they'll like, say, well, you know, the mayor on Mayor Monday said. Well, you can you say, know? you can say, like, first we'll come out with this position, but then after they push harder, we have this in reserve that we'll give them at the end. <laughs> so, you know, I think all of those are really interesting ideas, and many of them are ideas that are being discussed. Okay. Now, one of our commenters said, you know, well, you had talked about also upping, I guess this might be one of the terms you negotiate, about upping the, it's only $4,000 penalty if you leave in the first three years. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the departments are always happy to pay that penalty for the officers. You know, I wonder if the union will agree to at least upping that to 20, even that still won't make the difference. But Well, get- you know what I then found out because I, I looked a little bit more into it. Evidently, cities are limited, one, by what's negotiated by the um the union but also we're limited by general statutes general statutes will only let you go up to 12 oh. that's still not enough no you're paying 60 <laughs> one fifth yeah. so now one one commented during the independent said well why don't we decide we don't have a problem this is not a, totally different from what you were saying a minute ago so what if we are training good cops for the region yeah i wonder, I wonder if we could just start competing with post i mean we do have a good training academy i well, wonder if we should charge more departments to have their people trained I, here Again, we're constrained by um, by statute. general statute to to basically pay within the parameters or charge within the parameters of what post charges. Right, but we could charge. Uh, we could, and I and I, but we haven't. I don't believe. Um, Might not have capacity. Um, 
and you know we might charge to some degree because every now and then there will be uh, a couple you know maybe uh, actually there were a few from Hamden not too long ago I remember at your last graduation there yeah were, most of the people in New Haven there were a handful so I guess expanding that might not make sense might not be the right thing we're set up for well I mean I think that it's it's a possibility the problem is space I really think so uh, although and we haven't mentioned it yet but we are building a new police academy oh yeah where's that gonna be it's out on Wintergreen Avenue. Where the shooting range is? Yeah. Everything's so, going to so be moved. Everything's going to be moved. Okay. Is there state money for that, or how does that work? I think we've gotten a few, a, 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 straight, a state grant for that, especially to do the shooting range. Oh, yeah. So we're going to add the new academy. When, when are we going to move the academy there, do you know? As soon as the shooting range is finished. Oh. So it'll be soon. Oh, so at the same and, time. And I don't want to tell you really how soon it'll be because I want you to come to the press conference. Well, how, why would we miss that? We wouldn't miss that because then we get to pull people aside and ask them questions. But okay. Right. But we're excited about that. And so are the people who live in Beaver Hill and New Hallville. So. All right. How about gonna, in West Rock? How they feel? Well, the, the new indoor range you don't hear it the same way you hear it in Westville. And, you know, the interesting thing is you, you can't hear it at all. Right. Um, and it's also built uh, below sort of like this area so that it also has some, um, the you don't hear it because it goes into uh, some of the land that is there. So mm-hmm. it's hedged between this. An underdeveloped thing. area there? No, we're not going to develop there. I'm saying it's underdeveloped there. I mean, that was a good spot to Oh, play. it is. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And it's uh, the only people who worry, it's by a, a cemetery and... Uh, and, and Southern, and so Southern was a little worried about the traffic, but I think we've worked that out. All right, and we're working it out on Mayor Monday at WNHH, on the 3.5 FM live stream, hitting.org. We're here with Mayor Tony Harp, running down the latest. Do you feel like weighing in on the latest stuff in the governor's race, or you want to pass on that this week? Well, I who's, who's out there today? Luke Bronin, the mayor of Hartford. <laughs> now, this is just blowing me away. I don't know the guy, but he gets in as mayor of Hartford for two years. He asked the state $40 million to bail him out. And now he's running for governor. What's what's the campaign slogan there? Bail out everybody. I don't get. I don't get. Like I'll fail statewide the way we failed in Hartford. What's those the slogan? Well, you know he's a really smart guy. I think people, when they hear what he has to say, well, some people will resonate with it. Some people. Is that a political <laughs> science term? <laughs> you done the math. All right. And they said that uh, Joe Gannon, the mayor of Bridgeport, cannot qualify for public financing. Now his argument was. The rules say that if you're a felon and he went to jail for corruption, for taking bribes, that you can't ever then qualify for public financing. And he says that's unfair because I've done my time, kind of double double punishment. It's a really fascinating legal question because basically if someone says, I was a dirty politician, now I want to be a clean politician, you will let me be one. Mm-hmm. Other people say, you know, like, and I have rights like everybody else. Other people say public financing isn't right, it's a privilege. And you've lost that privilege if you have that conviction. At the same time, we're saying we're a second chance society as a state. It was a really great issue, but I think this really hurts. I mean, just in the baseball sense, I don't think this is good for his campaign that he won't be able to qualify. Yeah, I think that'll be tough. Although, you know, he's he's pretty good at raising money, so you never know. I mean, he did it once before. So. And that's when he ended up in jail. <laughs> you didn't say that. You didn't say that on Mayor Monday. I said it full bass. Um, there was a debate in New Haven among some of the de- uh, governor candidates about legalizing recreational marijuana which mm-hmm. is now an acceptable position if you're running for statewide office apparently because a number of them embraced it one art one issue that came up then was do we go the next step and go to these specialized injection centers and have i ever asked you about this injections yeah yeah i know it sounds creepy it they have does. in ithaca they have we can't Amsterdam. even get people to do flu shots 
<laughs> but what they're doing in some cities is they're saying we want the addicts to have a safe place where they can shoot up, where it's supervised, and when they're ready for help, the help is right there, and they get clean needles. Ithaca, New York is doing this. Is this the kind of thing you'd like to see here? Uh, you know, I I hadn't really thought about it, but, um, um, you know, I would much rather see us have a methadone program that is humane and works and, and use, I think it's called Suboxone or something like that, to use some of the, the medications that are supposed to be really effective if, effect, if they're effective programs. I would much rather give those programs uh, their due and their appropriate funding prior to uh, having um, those kind of centers. Okay, let me ask you to explain something to me, please, because I'm completely mystified by a new development in our town. Uh-oh. The term blowout bar. It's not liquor. They don't beat <laughs> oh. anybody up. They don't, they don't throw hair, out right? of windows. Yeah. <laughs> it's on Wooster Square. It's on Wooster <laughs> Street where Cafe Fuel was, the niece of former mayor Biagio Delito, the late right. Biagio Delito. She's opened the, the blowout bar, but you don't get a haircut there. No. You don't get a drink. No. You don't get in a fight. Nope. So what do you do with the blowout bar? You get your hair washed and you get it blown out. Oh. <laughs> so I mean, they, they just put a hair dryer blower to your hair. Yeah, they use a hair. Yeah. Yep. So why don't you just do that at home? Why would you go to a bar to get your hair? Because blown? they know how to do it better than I'm anybody so, I'm so else. I'm so ignorant here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you go serve at lunchtime over there, and they wash your hair, which does always feel good when someone washes your hair. Yeah. And and so is the idea. See, there was something in the article that Marquise or Alan Appel wrote about it about bridal. They, she has a company, the woman who owns it, where they get you ready, brides ready for like four hours, and she says, "Well, we do like a mini version of that. We feel really good and kind of special when you go back to work. So, is it makeup too? Or? You can get makeup. You can get your eyelashes put on. So you, you don't can have get to... eyebrows done. You know, there's a whole lot you can get done in an hour. <laughs> so I'm not going to put you on the spot. So you don't have to answer this question if you don't want. Are you ever going to go to a blowout bar? Probably not. No. Because you go the whole deal, right? You I go for the whole thing. Salon, yeah, I got to right? have at least two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, Steve Winter's a new alder. Yeah. You've been running him my bed. He's got a lot of energy, this guy. Yeah, he guy. does. Yeah. He was there uh, last night with his dog. At the Beaver Hill. Yeah, dog didn't speak, though, but he did. So. The dog didn't speak. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the, um, he, he was on the radio last week, and you know, he was one of the people since 2010, part of a group wanting to have a stronger civilian review board. Uh-huh. And then um, he became an alder, because he got arrested when he came outside that raid at Elevate. He wasn't actually in the club. His roommate got arrested, and he said to an officer on the street, um, I was just trying to find out my um, friend was arrested. You know what happened? They arrested him for being in public street. And <laughs> when was this? This was before we did 2010. our de-escalation training. So he's watched as the Alders put through a charter rev- referendum, got the city to vote and saying, yeah, we want a stronger civilian board. Yep. You got to do it. But then after four years, they didn't do it, even though they had kind of raised the issue. Mm-hmm. He says there are 10 new members of the 30-member board of alders coming on. He's hoping that they can work with the people who are there to try to get this off the dime. And one big question has been subpoena power. He looked at Newark and some other cities, and he said there is a solution because one of the holdups has been it, under law we can't give the board a self-subpoena power. You and I talked about whether we want the board of police commissioners, which has a subpoena power, right. to just become the new civilian board and kind of reconstitute that. He said that in Newark and other places, you take someone who has subpoena power, in our case would be the president of the Board of Alders, have her as a member of it and have her lend her subpoena power to the board so that it would have that power and he would like to see them have the right to discipline officers with the caveat that if they make discipline based on a factual mistake, the chief can override it. 
Any thought on those ideas? I'm hitting you with this stuff. You haven't had time to. Well, I think it's really interesting. You know, certainly uh, it's something that would have to be negotiated with the president of the board of alders. And so I, I, I think it's important that he sit down with her and, and, uh, and, and take her temperature on that idea. Um, And um, in terms of the factual, um, you know, you know, one of the things that I learned in being in the General Assembly, the facts change depending upon your point of view. What does that mean? I mean, you know, like... Which facts you choose to emphasize? What, yeah, what part of it, you know, it's sort of like, you know, like um, the blind person and the elephant, you know. So I, I, I don't so know... So you're saying it's a good idea to find out first that the present board always likes that idea. Yeah, yeah, good, exactly. Good advice from a seasoned <laughs> uh, person in elected office to a newbie. Yeah. The, uh, he's very sincere. It was kind of sweet. Oh, he is. He's a lovely, lovely gentleman. <laughs> the, um, and then he's been involved this whole Munster Street. What do you think about that? So Munster Street, they want to build a few hundred apartments, 285, in a place that is abandoned factory land, kind of a home run there. Mm-hmm. The neighbors had some concerns about local hiring and density and all that. Mm-hmm. And now there's a new question, which I'm trying to understand because this gets in the realm that I always have to start from scratch and have it explained to me again. People say rather than change the zoning to allow that to be housing rather than a factory land, Let's make it a planned development district so that we have lots of rules written in so that if somebody else wants to build there, they can't do something we don't like. Other people say that makes it drag on for a long time, makes it too complicated, and we need the jobs right away and the housing and the tax revenue. Do you have any thoughts on where that's going? Well, you know, the the developers have been in New Haven trying to move that project forward for over a year. And, you know, we can't, they're almost at the, it's sort of like Lucy in the football as soon as you get close to the goal line, oh, well, maybe we ought to do this. Maybe we ought to do that. Uh, they've gone to the community management team, and that was the vehicle. They talked to a number of the alders, and they got approval from all of them. And now another group comes up and says, you've got to do this. Well, if they get to that, and then another group, yet another group says, you've got to do that. At some point, you know, we've got to make a decision, and it's got to be over. So you think they should go with, make a decision on their zoning request? I think they should, yeah. All right. So there you have it from Mayor Tony Harp. He's in. And Mayor Harp, you have a busy week coming up. This is that time of year, but busy with fun stuff rather than people yeah. throwing mud at each other. <laughs> and one of the things they're not going to be throwing mud at, unless it's like for a facial, will be uh, Tony Resigno, the Chamber of Commerce president, is retiring. And Thursday night, there's a big party for him. Right? No, he had it already. Oh, how was that? It was great. It was the Tony Awards. Oh, there you go. What did you say at this thing? What was your point? I didn't say anything. You know, it was like pretty much he got, um, I did give him a proclamation, um, but I didn't read it. or something? Um, I believe it was around that amount of time. He's a good guy. He was a good guy. His family was there and they gave, everybody gave him awards for being such a great guy. It was, it was really clever. Yeah, but they don't have anyone to, I heard the search committee picked someone they didn't go for. Yeah, there was that him. was unfortunate. Yeah. What was that about? Was it because the guy was black or what? Uh, well, some people think that. I I would hope that that's not the case. So were they starting from scratch or? Um, I think they're looking at some of the people who applied and trying to make a decision, and it's unfortunate because there are a number of people of color who've come to me and expressed concerns that that was uh, a problem. And you know, the interesting thing is, in my discussion with Michael Schaefer, who was the head of the search committee. They actually wanted to have a candidate that represented inclusion. That was their goal. So I don't know what happened, um, and it's unfortunate. And I and I certainly hope that whatever it is that they do is that the chamber 
finds a way to demonstrate to this community, which is a majority-minority community, at least in New Haven, that uh, everyone who lives in New Haven who's in business is welcome. All right. And you're all welcome to this event this week. You're going to be hitting. One of them is, and I'm sorry I got the Tony Wasignio one wrong, you got a menorah lighting. Yes. Tomorrow night's the first night of Hanukkah, Tuesday night. Yeah. There's one in Westville. Is there also one downtown? Um, normally there is. Yeah, I usually do the one downtown. Yeah, it's on the green. They're it's, nice fence. And the menorah's there. It's not You know, lit she was yet. a little bit divided on this. There's nothing wrong with it. It's all safe and nice. But menorah, Hanukkah's not such a major holiday for Jews. It's a nice holiday. But I heard, yeah. But in this country, because everyone feels like Christmas gets such a big deal, they want to make a big deal about presents at Hanukkah. And we have our menorah next to the big tree. And mm-hmm. It's an interesting debate. It's an in-house debate. <laughs> <laughs> Chapel West holiday party? Yeah. Ballville party? Yeah. So you're partying. Yeah, because there's a lot going on. But you also, you're going to be hosting all these mayors from around the country, and that's really the big thing this weekend. Uh, I'm excited for them to come to New Haven. I'm really proud of this city. I snuck a, a peek at the schedule, and I saw there will be time for holiday shopping, which dovetails with your other goal of having people buy local yes. this season. And they're going to love uh, they're going to love our shops on Chapel Street and on Broadway and all around. They're going to they're going to love New Haven. Well, I hope you have such a, great a cute week. city. I do love New Haven, especially when there's a blanket of snow on it. Yeah. All right. Well, Mayor Harp, it's such a pleasure as always to run down what's going on with you. Thanks for coming in the studio. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Bertrand Moses PC and Gateway Community College for providing financial support for today's show. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free from the CD A Plea for Peace. This Paul Bass reminding us all that we do know what it feels like to be free. We just have to book our flight. Book your flight and fly for the bus all day and all night long at WNHH New Haven's home for community radio. Mm-hmm.